and welcome to Poetry Blokes, the podcast where one bloke likes poetry and the other doesn't. I'm Matthew Adamo, failed novelist, third-rate poet, and now a beleaguered poetry teacher. And I'm Rich Gochran, a moderately successful engineer and lifelong lover of things that actually matter, like football, cricket, and the ability to make stuff out of wood. I don't hate poetry, but I do think it's a loss of words in a confusing order to say very little. Join us in this series of podcasts as we rummage into the recesses of Rich's mind, pull forth any literary force that may be lying dormant, and see if the world's most literal man can acquire the soul of a poet. He doesn't even believe in souls, so I've got my work cut out already. In this episode, we're looking at Sci-Fi by Tracy K. Smith. There will be no edges, but curves, lean lines pointing only forward. History, with its hard spine and dog-eared corners, will be replaced with nuance, just like the dinosaurs gave way to mounds and mounds of ice. Women will still be women, but the distinction will be empty. Sex, having outlived every threat, will gratify only the mind, which is where it will exist. For kicks, we'll dance for ourselves before mirrors studded with golden bulbs. The oldest among us will recognise that glow, but the word sun will have been reassigned to the standard uranium neutralising device found in households and nursing homes. And yes, we'll live to be much older thanks to popular consensus. Weightless, unhinged, eons from even our own moon will drift in the haze of space which will be, once and for all, scrutable and safe. So, Rich, what's that all about? I think the first thing I'd like to say about this poem is it's a real thinker. (laughs) It really did get me thinking, and I was a bit sad, I think, by the end of it. Thinking makes me sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So... Let's open up, let's just do the general vibe, right? Go for it. I read it to be that we're all on a spaceship. All of us. Every single one. All seven billion odd people have got onto a big spaceship and we're hurtling through space, (laughs) obviously. I don't really understand what it starts off with, if I'm honest. A bit vague. There will be no edges but curves. Clean lines pointing only forward. Is a curve a line? Well, this is wow. This is where the sadness began. No, I took that to be the edge of space. Oh, okay, um, the idea, you know, that some people have there is no boundary in space. It's curves on itself. The Pringle, I think, isn't it? Mm. Or the donut. Lots of different. And then clean lines pointing only forward. That made me think of when they go into like warp speed and stuff. You know, stars turn into lines, strips of light because otherwise it's quite confusing to say there's no edges but then bring up the clean lines well that's what I thought a bit contradictory isn't it there's no edge but there's a line maybe the reference is that there will be no edges anymore because we would have colonised all of space or you know at least travelled in space so there is actually no edge to space anymore out in the abyss yeah you can see why I got sad the sadness is pervasive So back to the general vibe. So we're in space, we're on a spaceship with everybody else. That in itself is quite a stressful experience, I think. She talks a lot about some things, that life has got better. Yep, yep. Brings up some stuff about how life has got worse. What's the good stuff? History. 
history is going to be replaced with nuance. So I guess that's good, isn't it? You know, history written by the victors, that's the classic idea. I'm guessing it's a woman, Tracy? Yes, it is a, a female poet, a woman poet. Can't get men called Tracy? Yes, I can't think of any off the top of my head. No, neither can I now, I've said that. My immediate thought was Dick Tracy, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's not real. All right, don't worry about that then. It's, cool. it's definitely a woman, because there's no men called Tracy. I've misremembered. History, with its hard spine and dog-eared corners, will be replaced with nuance. So that I took to mean... Well, actually, should I tell you what I first thought? Yes, always. Well, I first thought, I was like, well, it'd be a ridiculous thing to take books into space. They're so heavy. <laughs> Get a Kindle. If there's one thing, when they were doing the Apollo missions to the moon, <laughs> I can't, it wasn't a library in there, was there? They went like, oh, there's a load of reference books just in case. Yeah, you have to leave your wife, family and collection of Tolstoy's works at home. You can't bring, <laughs> you can't bring that with you. All works of Shakespeare, please. Make sure you include that. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. If you're going to launch all 7 billion people into space, you've got to leave the books behind. You've got to. It's yeah, just it's maths. Cost-benefit analysis of a book in space. Exactly. And then when I thought about it a bit deeper, I guess that's a reference to the internet, really, where we're not really reliant on editors or publishers anymore. Everybody's a publisher. Yeah. Any two dickheads can get on the internet and spout their opinions about stuff. Yeah, but some of them shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the interesting thing about history with its hard spine, I think it counterpoints the images sort of the opposite of the two lines just before. So you have history with its hard spine, but you have in this future curves and no edges. Right, okay. So you're saying they've banned books because of the edges? <laughs> Dangerous not, edges. Not, not because of the mass. Well, you know, in a zero-G environment. <laughs> corner, my eye! My eye! <laughs> corner flow, flowing towards you. <laughs> I think she's setting up, a, there's an there's image of rigidity, fixity, fixedness, right. uh, with history and its hard spine against this future with its curves and nuance. Mm. So that's what she says there. It's hard spine and dog-eared corners will be replaced with nuance. Yeah. So it's okay. like all the hard lines of history will be replaced by these soft, curvy ones that sort of incorporate a bit more than jagged separating lines might do. Right, okay. And that's obviously, that I take to be a good thing, you know, with, with a lot of what's happening now thinking about history and about who's written it and who it represents and who it doesn't represent. Doesn't represent any men called Tracy. <laughs> if uh, you happen to listen to this and you're a man called Tracy, write in. Yeah, if you have an uncle Tracy, let us know. So then the third stanza says, just like the dinosaurs gave way to the mounds and mounds of ice. Well, I got a little confused here, right? Uh, there's a comparison between nuance and ice. I think it's the comparison between the rigidness of history, that just like the dinosaurs gave way to mounds and mounds of ice, yeah, defeated yeah. by ice in the same way, this dogmatic history is going to lose out to the future, the sci-fi future. Was it the ice to beat the dinosaurs? <sighs> or was it the fact that the ice slammed into the earth at the speed of sound? Yeah, or just no food. A bit of both. We don't know what happened to the dinosaurs really, do we? Do you know what happened to the dinosaurs right in? Kind of two topics to write in about, Matt. <laughs> Slagging off our listenership. <laughs> Reasonable. Complex. <laughs> um, women will still be women, though, in this future. Yeah, so now the, here we go. Here, now into the bad things. Oh, no, I didn't mean like that. <laughs> women will still be women, but the distinction will be empty. That's a good thing. We'll, we'll see women for not defined by their gender. Yeah, there are still genders, exactly, but we're not necessarily defining people by them. Yeah, That's a good bit. This is the bit that was a bit upsetting. Sex, having outlived every threat, will gratify only the mind. 
which is where it all exists. So we're not having sex anymore in the spaceship. This is a sex-free spaceship that we're on. Yeah, or it's uh, some sort of like virtual reality style. Is it Demolition Man? Where they, it is Demolition Man, where they yeah. only have sex by the mind and they don't engage in any fluid transfer. Oh, yeah, it is <laughs> Demolition Man, yes. Yeah. Um, excellent film. Um, Wesley Slipes takes somebody's eye out with a pen. Oh, yeah, and just slice the loan, just like careering around. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's got Sandra Bullock in it as well. Yes, definitely does. Delightful. That's a great film. It great, is a good great film. film. Yeah. Watch that film after this podcast. I recommend it. If you like late 80s, early 90s film. Yeah, mid 90s If you like sci fi, read this poem and then watch <laughs> that film. Sex only occurs in the mind. I just thought well, that's like university, isn't it? It's weird, actually, because she says it will gratify only the mind. There's still an implication there that sex is physical, but. But not enjoyable. You won't physically enjoy it. it oh, I mean, it's hard to have sex in space. Maybe that's what she's talking about. Everyone's in zero G. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> For every action, there's an equal opposite Jeff, reaction. Jeff, do, do you have to do a calculation of sort of like the angle of your approach in zero in, G. Just strap it in. You have to put Velcro, <laughs> Velcro on the front. I don't have any evidence for this, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say a NASA astronaut might have had sex in space. No. Not allowed. Suit's too big. <laughs> Isn't there like a live stream from the ISS? You know when they write in, if kids write in about being an astronaut, like, yeah. what's it like in space? Rich, 33 and a half asks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to become a tawdry episode. You've only yourself to blame. And, I, and also me. Presumably somebody had a space emission. Somebody <laughs> must know what that's like. But We're in space. The question of the physicality of sex is still up in the air. It's not physically gratifying. It exists in the mind. Mind sex. That's quite upsetting, isn't it? I'm not up for a world of... Zero G sex. Zero G sex. Would you feel better if you knew that for kicks you dance for yourself before a mirror studded with golden bulbs? Now here I thought she was being quite prophetic. Oh, go on. It's basically TikTok, isn't it? Why are the bulbs golden? I don't know. It made me think of those sort of the backstage of a theatre. Yeah, like a vanity yeah, mirror. Like a vanity with the, mirror yeah. with the big bulbs. But I don't particularly know why they're golden bulbs, unless they've got one of those large filaments, those sort of Victorian filaments. Everything's gold in the future. Maybe, yeah. A golden hue on everything. Again, not a future I'm that up for. Have you seen me dance? I have video evidence of us dancing. I wouldn't want to... Uh, Remember, we were in that club in Prague and there was no one else in there. It's just me and you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hate that video. <laughs> Why? You send it to me every now and then. Just sort of remind <laughs> Why me. do you hate that video? I'm so drunk. The dancing I'm doing is more aggressive than it's called for, given it's just me and you in the room. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's nice to know you've got some boundaries there. I, I hate any videos in clubs. Is it I, don't, I things, think phones should be banned in clubs. Things you've done in clubs that have been filmed. I mean, not recently. Just any time that you're drunk, really, and... Imagine that in zero G. Yeah. Ooh. I reckon you get drunk quicker in space. What would a hangover be like in space? Awful. I, yeah, I reckon really, really bad. Because the blood's more evenly distributed, isn't it? Around your body. Because it doesn't have the effect of gravity. What does that mean in the context of a hangover, though? It makes me sort of think that they just get around your body quicker. So you feel like more toxic everywhere? I don't know enough about if there's space. One th- if there's one thing NASA needs to answer, it's this. Or Elon Musk would answer that. Maybe not NASA. SpaceX would have an answer for that. Elon. Speak to us. We want to fire someone into space and get them battered and then report back on what the hangover is. And then make them have sex (laughs) with each other. Or maybe themselves. Just maybe themselves. That's what I'm going to say. (laughs) 
Do you have a premier product or sensational service that Poetry Bloke listeners would love? Advertise with us to reach an audience who love to laugh, are obviously very cool and sophisticated, and have immaculate taste. I mean, they're here listening to this gold, aren't they? Go to poetryblokes.com forward slash advertising to advertise with us today. Two willing participants to engage in drunken SpaceX, please. Well, the next stanza actually sort of references us in a way, or at least our generation, I think. The oldest among us will recognise that glow, but the word sun will have been reassigned. Well, actually, no, actually, no, I've made an assumption there. It doesn't necessarily mean to be this generation, does it? But it's like there's a generation, the, the generation. There's a generation who remember the sun. Yeah, who remember Earth and the sun, yeah. But no. because we're all on a spaceship, we've... Well, yeah, this didn't occur to me until quite late on, is that they've left... Originally, I thought, oh, they've just stopped going outside. Yeah. And then it occurred to me, no, they've just travelled really, really far away yeah. from Earth and thus the sun. Yeah, well, I guess they're on a colony, right? Because the next stanza says found in households and nursing homes. You could have those on a spaceship. I guess you could, yeah. They've, hey, they've reassigned the word sun, so language is up for grabs here. You do what you want. Do what you want. To the standard uranium neutralising device. They've come up with a sun replacement. That's good. Bit of it, D. Bit, bit of radiation from the uranium. Well, no, because it's being neutralised by this device. I'm not sure of the scientific merit, scientific merit of, that uranium. Com- of that comment. I think she's more gone for the acronym yeah. over the science there. It's uranium. That's used in production of nuclear yeah. warheads and so on, isn't it? Yeah, it's a radioactive element, yeah. Yeah. Why do you ask? <laughs> you I, wondered if it, I wondered if it was linked to propulsion of the vessel. Well... But that you needed to have some sort of device in your home to stop the uranium killing you. In order to have taken all 7 billion people off planet Earth and be cruising through space, I think we've gone beyond nuclear energy. Yes, yeah, so true. I think we've gone somewhere that we can't even imagine, Matt. Really, really. Don't even try and imagine it. Really, really big Don't. shit. Stop it. <laughs> what angle, if you were to have... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this, again, the sadness comes back here, Matt. Is the incorrect use of uranium? No. Oh, okay. Being far from the sun. Yes. I'm no fan of the sun, as discussed today. Yes. Dental skinned, <laughs> Matt and I are actually recording this face to face for the first time ever. Cheek to cheek. It's not cheek to cheek. Socially distanced. It's socially distanced. But we have sat in my garden today and it's, it's lovely and warm. So we've, we've basked, but we basked for about 30 seconds. And <laughs> yeah, and Rich immediately on. stood up and put up a parasol to stop the harsh glare of the sun from uh, burning him to a crisp. Even though I have a tumultuous relationship with the sun, there's definitely benefits to it, without a shadow of a doubt. Big photosynthesis fan. Yeah, huge. Yeah, love that. Love plants. Well done, plants. And so, the, yeah, this idea of being out in space, being on a ship, surrounded by nothing but other people and this sort of falseness, made me think back to Slough. Yeah, the canteens. I bet there's air conditioning on that spaceship, which, as you know, for a man... Who suffers with dry eye? Yeah, it will only exacerbate the condition of dry eye. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be in real trouble on this spaceship. And then also, it made me think about being outdoors, in nature, and as you know, I'm a bit of an indoor outdoorsman, in that I like the outdoors, but I tend to like it from indoors. Yes. And I long to live in a log cabin. Live in a log cabin, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but really, make no effort in actually achieving that in any way, shape, no. or form. No. I live in the middle of a town. <laughs> You'd like to somehow sort of take over and control a small band of woodsmen who could, you, who could chop and carve wood under your direction. I mean, I often fantasise about 
This sounds awful, but about the end of the world. <laughs> it's useful. It's around the corner. Like most people have gone. Sorry, everyone. Like civilization is broken down and it's much more. Mad Max. Mad Max. No, because that's too reliant on mechanical things still. Like they've all got cars and stuff. Like yeah. That. I'm not interested in that. I'm going real back to basics. Okay. Just you and cockroaches left. No, there's other people, but we're, we're spar- sparsely populated. And in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> this is the sad thing. I'm not the leader of the gang. <laughs> Reliable second command, though. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I am. The guy who the main guy goes to to sort of talk things through. That's who I am. Everyone needs that. I don't want to be the main guy. It's, I mean, this goes back to making, I'm just making stuff out of wood, surviving, building homes out of wood, everything. It's just much more back to, to nature. So maybe when this spaceship leaves, I'll just stay. Yeah, it should be empty. I'll stay behind. Okay, yeah. With a few others. Imagine them being like, you'll, you'll die. You'll be wiped out if you don't leave. And you're like, nah, I'm fine with that. I think I would be fine with that. Yeah. What reasons were there to be to leave Earth? The, the sun's exploding. That's the main one. The Amazon- I, I wonder whether I'd just be like someone that's just, you know, it depends on the alternative is, isn't it? If they go, you can get in a spaceship, it's touch a go, you might not make it. We're going to have to have tw- sex again. 20 years. You won't be able to have sex again. We talked about the angles. We'll be traveling for 20 years. They just bounce off. And <laughs> traveling for 20 years, <laughs> and you might die. You might just shrug your shoulders and be like, mm, I'll just die in here in 10 years. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. 2034. It's um... <laughs> <laughs> my prediction. <laughs> oh, where did we get to? Oh, yeah. Sorry. We got to the bit about the standard uranium neutralizing device. So, yeah, that, as I said, made me feel sad, right? And then she says, and yes, we live to be much older, thanks to popular consensus. It's weird, that one. Weird one, isn't it? Yeah, not quite sure. Everyone's just agreed to live longer. Yeah. But actually, that's quite interesting, an idea. Everyone's just, so we do just live longer now, but nobody's actually asked whether we want to. I suppose maybe that's sort of raising the point about euthanasia. I had no idea, to be honest with this one. We'll live to be much older, thanks to popular consensus. Yeah, I thought it was that medicine. We just agreed that we're going to focus on living longer. so. We came up with something that allowed us to live longer. I don't yeah. know. But we're also weightless and unhinged. And that stands which I thought was quite fun. Yes. Unhinged obviously having two meanings there, I suppose. As in not being linked in any way to any hinge because we're f- sort of floating in this zero-G environment, but also unhinged and slightly crazy. Mm. Weightless and crazy. Eons from even our own moon will drift in the haze of space, which will be, once and for all, scrutable and safe. Yeah, I thought Eon, even from our own moon, was interesting. Eon's like a long time. Yeah, very long time. But that makes sense. If we've been travelling on a spaceship fast enough to make all the, the stars go yeah, yeah. shooty, then it uh, makes, makes sense it would be eons away. Yeah, I suppose I would, so, yeah. I would rather she'd used a proper measure. <laughs> There's a standard unit of space-time, isn't there? Or... Parsec. I don't know. I've complained her about her not using it, and then I've forgotten it myself. What's the measurement of time or distance, you say? Distance, and it's called astronomical unit, AU. I'd rather she'd used AUs. Dom, cut that to make me look clever. One thing I do want to mention, actually, back on the women will still be women point, is in that stanza, women will still be women, but the distinction will be empty, full stop. Sex, having outlived every threat. She sort of emphasises the distinction that will be empty is the sex. So not the act of sex, but the sex and the gender. Yeah, that's, that's sort of the point she's trying to make there. By leaving the word sex on that line rather than making it part of the other line allows that thought to linger with that couplet and then also join the next one. Uh, okay. So yeah, women will be women, but the distinction will be empty. The distinction is sex. With you. 
The other thing I want to add about the eons from our own moon. Yeah. It's the last line of the poem. And for all wants and for all scrutable and safe. Made me think, well, is that really what we want? This environment that she's just painted, this sci-fi environment, and she's suggesting that we solved a lot of our own problems. But at the end, she's saying this environment is completely scrutable and safe. And it made me think, do I want that environment? Let's live in an environment where everything's entirely known and completely safe. Yeah. Or do you want that element of the unknown? And that's kind of what humans are about, isn't it? We just... Yeah, it's always about what's over the next hill and yeah, around the corner. You're alive, but what's the point? Everything's sanitised in this yeah, so why bother? environment, so why bother? See? Sad. Sad. Sad poem. But I would say I quite like it as a poem. Yeah, I, I thought it was quite good, wasn't it? Quite enjoyed it. It made me think, yeah, which they don't all do. Yeah. Real hit and miss, whether they're going to make me think or not. Well, we've determined that thinking makes you sad, so... <laughs> yeah, probably best to stay away from that. Do you want to hear a bit about Tracy K. Smith? Yeah, go on then. Tracy K. Smith was born on April 16th, 1972, in Falmouth, Massachusetts. Oh. Yeah, not Falmouth, UK, but Falmouth, Massachusetts, United States. Her poetry often deals with themes of loss and grief, which we, we know is a staple of poetry. Yeah. Also, nascent adulthood. Don't really know what that means. Nascent adulthood, the very beginnings of adulthood. Adolescence, late adolescence, becoming an adult. The roles of race and family in identity. And she also references pop culture quite a lot. Goes for the deep subjects, doesn't she? No canteens like Betjeman. Yeah. Or no cabbages and earth exhaling. Pro-cabbage. Pro-cabbage. Smith was the youngest of five children, and her father went on to work on the Hubble Space Telescope. Oh, good. Oh, she should definitely have known about astronomical unions then. (laughs) Her mother and father feature quite a lot in her writings. She did a degree in English and American literature and Afro-American studies at Harvard and went on to study creative writing at Columbia. After graduating, she was a Stegner Fellow in poetry at Stanford University from 1997-99. I mean, she's just sort of ticking off all the big Ivy League schools. Well, I mean, wait for this. Smith received the 2012 Pulitzer Prize for poetry. For Life on Mars, from which this poem comes. The futuristic poems in this collection invoke a mixture of sorrow and delight. Oh. As they consider humans' place in the universe. So you gave me one of the sorrow-based ones. A bit of both, really, isn't it? Well, there's some delight in the fact that... There's some progress made. There's some progress made, yeah, exactly. But there's also some sadness that you so ably elaborated upon. So I got a poem right, basically. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. There is no right and wrong in poetry, obviously, but some of Rich's analysis were... <laughs> Some of my analysis was in line with... Well, that's one of the great things about this podcast, actually, is that it's come along massively in the past. I say the past 10 or so episodes that we've done, but there was like a moment where it clicked somewhere in between, like, I don't know, episode five, six or seven or something, somewhere halfway through. Well, where I actually started reading poems properly. Where you were a bit like, oh, yeah, yeah, I sort of see what's going on here. See, I see that these words could evoke some feeling. <laughs> ah. That's what this is about. But anyway, this isn't about you. This is about Tracy K. Smith. Sorry. She also authored a memoir, Ordinary Light, in 2015, which explores the making of her identity, including her growing awareness as an adolescent of her black heritage and the death of her mother from cancer when she was 22. Her fourth collection of poetry, Wade in the Water, published in 2018, contemplates issues of class, climate and slavery occasionally through the voices of others, notably in the poem, I will tell you the truth about this, I will tell you all about it, which incorporates the letters of black soldiers enlisted in the American Civil War. Before joining the faculty at Princeton University in the mid-2000s, he taught at City University of New York, 
University of Pittsburgh and Columbia University, she became director of Princeton's writing program in 2015. Two years later, Smith was named the 22nd... President of the United States. <laughs> oh, close. Same letter. 22nd Poet Laureate of the United States, and she served until 2019. That's the second time I've made that joke. She, I'm aware. Recycled. Do you know that me, you, and Tracy K. Smith have something in common? She began hosting a podcast called The Slowdown, and in each episode she reads and briefly discusses a poem she has selected. Huh. Well, if you ever want to collaborate, Tracy. Call us. We've got some questions about some space-related issues. <laughs> so how did you feel about that poem overall? Liked it. Made me feel sad, but sometimes it's good to feel sad. Yes. Excellent. Not for too long, though. Yeah, persistent sadness can be... Talk to someone about that. Yeah, it can be an issue. I don't often feel sad. Your sadness is mainly around her non-use of astronomical units. So. <laughs> yeah, that really tipped me over the edge. <laughs> As a poem, I, th- I thought it was great, actually. Lots in it, given that it's relatively short. A thumbs up. Well done, Tracy. Well, on that note, do you want to give us your engineer's overview of this poem? Yeah, sure. Do you want to tell the listeners what that is? Yeah, sure. So every week, Rich writes an engineer's overview, which is a concise and to-the-point description of the poem and its meaning in the way that Rich sees it. So on that note, I will hand over to Rich for his engineer's overview of Sci-Fi by Tracy K. Smith. Sci-Fi by Tracy K. Smith. We're on a curvy spaceship going very fast. The dinosaurs are dead. We don't have sex anymore and the sun has been replaced. We're safe. But what's the point? The end. Haunting rendition there. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Rich. Please join us next week when we look at If by Rudyard Kipling. I'd recommend watching Mike Bassett if you want to see the full effect of the poem. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? Do you have a well-known poem you'd like us to discuss? Or maybe you've written your own engineer's overview you'd like to share. And if you have an embarrassing poetry-related story, well, then you definitely have to get in touch. Go to poetryblokes.com forward slash submissions now to let us know all about it and you could play a part in the next show. Poetry Blokes is created and hosted by Matthew Adamo and Richard Gochran. Our theme music is Press Start by The Laszlo Project. Buy their music by going to bandcamp.com and searching The Laszlo Project. Our producer is Dominic Gore.